So last week I did that thing again. Hey everybody, welcome back to Reading with Celebrities. I'm Lindsay. I'm Tiffany. And today we are celebrating Black History Month by highlighting some Black authors and their works, their books. Yeah, I kind of went through my list from 2020 up until now of books that I've read by um, Black authors, um, books that stand out to me, books that I really enjoyed and stuff. Yeah, and I took a look at ones similar same thing that i've read there's only one where i'm halfway through i'm currently reading it but um i just added them because i'm enjoying it so i'll probably go through give a little some tidbits about the author and then um the book or books that we've read and a little synopsis of them and i know we've already tackled Two Seven Days in June by Tia Williams, and that was Reese's Book Club. That was our first book for this one. And then What Looks Like Crazy on an Ordinary Day by Pearl Klieg. So we go in depth in those, so go back and listen to those episodes to get more. Yeah, both books that I would suggest um, that they're both oh, yeah. really good. And we both really, really enjoyed What Looks Like Crazy on an Ordinary Day. I think that was our favorite out of Oprah, right? Uh, I think so. I can't remember any of the other ones we've read other than like Charles Dickens and yeah. Anna Karenina. So, but okay, you ready to start? Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I go first. This is the book that I'm currently a little over halfway through, and this is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. And this is a newer book. I think it was published around 2020. Maybe 2022. I'm not sure. It's a newer book. Um, so Tiffany D. Jackson was born in New York and grew up in Brooklyn Heights. She's a Bachelor of Arts from Howard University and a Master's from New School University. In addition to writing, she also has a lot of experience as a producer for television. Um, a girl after my own heart. She is a huge fan of horror and says if she wasn't you know, writing or producing television, she would either create it or teach it. Um, and so it's, yeah, no surprise that The Weight of Blood, if you, just looking at the synopsis, it's definitely a spin on Carrie. So it's when the shy white passing outcast at a school is discovered to be black. The school's troubled history with race and segregation comes to light and disaster strikes at the school's first integrated prom. Yeah. So like I said, um, I'm halfway through, really enjoying it. And she's written a lot of other ones. I think you yeah, had a couple of hers on your list. Yeah, I haven't read anything by her, but I know when you talked about Weight of Blood before, I mentioned that Grown has been on my list for a while, mm-hmm. and that's by her. And I think so. another one, Allegedly, I think it's called Allegedly, I think that's the one that's either won awards or it's very like highly recommended, um, but I don't think that one's at my library yet, so. Okay. Okay. Um, a book that I put on my list was My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyinkin Braithwaite. Um, so Oyinkin is a graduate of creating, creative writing and law from Kingston University. Um, following her degree, she worked as an assistant editor at a Nigerian publishing house and has been freelancing as a writer and graphic designer since. 
Um, so this book um, got pretty popular um, real quick. This was her debut novel, and she it won the 2019 LA Times Award for like best crime thriller. Um, and it's it's already been translated into 30 languages, and it says it's been optioned for a film. So we'll see. Um, so what it's about. Um, Cordy has a sister named Ayula, and Ayula has been known to kill her boyfriends or the men that she is dating. And Cordy is tasked with the job of, um, like, cleaning up the crime scenes. And she's very good at it. She knows that she didn't leave anything behind. Um, but Cordy works at a hospital, and Ayula shows up and wants to go on a date with the doctor there. And Cordy has a crush on that doctor, and so she's worried that Ayula is going to kill him, and she's going to have to clean up that mess. Um, it's a cute, it's funny, it had some dark moments, but it was real short. I enjoyed it, um, and it kind of just had that, would you do anything for family type of thing. So I remember, yeah, I remember it popping up on a lot of lists, and it was on one where it was, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, if you just finish this, what should you read next? And so I don't remember what I typed in, but that was number one recommended that popped up. Yeah. And then I put it on my list and hadn't gotten around to it. And you were like, I'm reading this book. And I was like, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, I think I got it for Christmas, like, in 2021. Um, but yeah, she it was, it was super cute. Like, I could see why people liked it. And it's just really fast paced. It's funny, like... You wouldn't think, like, a dark serial killer type of... It's not real dark, but, like, you wouldn't think a book like that would have, like, comedic moments and stuff. Nice. All right. Um, also, a Nigerian author who's next on my list is uh, Chinwa Echebe. And he was born in 1930, and he wrote Things Fall Apart. And that's probably, like, his biggest uh, novel um, like I said, he was born in 1930 in Nigeria, and go, while going to university, he really became known as like a very harsh critic of how Africa is depicted in European literature. And so his goal in writing was to showcase Africa and its many cultures outside of European influence. Um, he was criticized for writing in English, but he kind of fought back and said this is the way to reach an international audience and to educate them. Um, and since then, his books have been translated many, many times. Um, after the Nigerian Civil War, he and his family moved to the United States, and he taught at both Bard College and then at Brown until he passed away in 2013. Like I said, in 1958 is when Things Fall Apart was published, but it didn't reach the UK until 1962 in the 1960s. Um, but it's the first known of the African trilogy, and he's kind of known as the, the father of African literature. And that's the book you read? Things Fall Apart, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so it starts in pre-colonial Nigeria and follows the main character, who's both a wrestling champion and his clan. kind of depicts his daily life with his family and traditions. Um, and it's split. So that's the first part. And then the next part two and part three is him struggling with European colonization and their attempts to convert his clan members to Christianity while he tries to hold on to those traditions. And also, very, I think, very interestingly, in the 1950s, um, 
discuss his struggles with masculinity and his place in the clan. And I guess it's like, you know how like everybody in the United States, it's like, have you read The Outsiders? Yeah, I've read The Outsiders. Like, you know, one of those books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I guess this is one of those books in Africa. That's like, <laughs> like, have you read It's this? like the, the book that you're taught. <laughs> that you should have read. <laughs> yeah. So you should have read. <laughs> yeah. We know how kids in school are. <laughs> I was one of them. <laughs> I wasn't. And so whenever people are like, oh, you haven't read this. I was like, we weren't taught it. <laughs> so I haven't. Yeah. I was just one of the kids that, like, I hated being forced to be, like, to read and then, like, analyze things. Like, coming in as a 14-year-old, like, freshman, like, that can be really intimidating, especially when you're learning about Shakespeare for the first time and having to, like, analyze that. Even if it is Romeo and Juliet, like, it's still, like, that, like, if you've never done something like that before, like, that can get, it gets pretty tough. And then, God forbid, if you interpret different than the teacher, you know? Oh, yeah. Like. So yeah. I just, I always had a hard time, like, reading books, and I, I, you couldn't enjoy them because you were so worried about... You were worried about writing your paper and passing. Yeah, yeah, and it just it didn't make it fun. And so I, was, I liked I mean, my... Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, but even though, like, we read some really great books, like, we talked about To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, Great Gatsby, of Mice and Men, those were all books I had to read in school, but... I liked my 10th grade English teacher because she'd be like, yeah, you can write a short paper, like two to three pages, but then she would give us a test on, you know, things that happened. We'd have to write some short answers and it was about how we interpreted. And as long as we gave like evidence from the book about how we interpreted that, she was fine with it. Yeah. So, which was nice because <laughs> I was the only one in Great Gatsby who did not like Daisy. So Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're allowed to have your own opinions about books. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it doesn't make it fun if everybody agrees on the same thing. Yeah. It's like the blue curtains represent that. <laughs> Are you sure the blue curtains is just not the author's favorite color? Yeah, right? <laughs> I remember oh. there was a, a, a guy, I don't know if he was in college or high school, but he, I think he sent a letter to a bunch of different authors and he was like, do you intentionally write symbolism? Like, how do you write that? I don't know which author it was. Sent him back and said, I'm not doing your homework for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but that's kind of mean. Like, no, but it is true. Like, did the authors really mean what these English teachers are telling us they mean? Yeah. And I know like some, some of the authors were like, like, yes, I intentionally write things in this book because I'm trying to like put a message. And then other authors were like, well, I have my meaning for it, but what matters to you is what the meaning you get out of yeah. it. Like, I don't think these authors intentionally wrote a book that was going to be taught in 10th grade English. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're just writing a really great novel. I don't know. Yeah. They're okay. just doing their best, guys. <laughs> They're just doing their best. They're just trying. <laughs> um, okay. So, my next one. Um, I talked a lot about this book when I read it. Um, it's probably still one of my favorite books. I would recommend it to anybody, but it's The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Um, Angie Thomas was born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, she is a former teen rapper whose greatest accomplishment was an article about her right on magazine with a picture included. She holds a BFA in creative writing from Bellhaven University and an unofficial degree in hip hop. It says she can it's kind of amazing. Still, yeah, no, this is it's it reminds me of um 
the author for Seven Days in June, like how she was like a beauty blogger. Like oh yeah, like that, she worked for Vogue too. Yeah, like. like something just like out there that you wouldn't expect. Um, it says she can also still rap if needed. Um, she was an inaugural winner of the Walter Dean Myers Grant in 2015. Um, and her debut, The Hate You Give, um, was, what does it say, it was acquired by Balzer and Bray HarperCollins in a 13 house auction and will be published in spring of 2017, which obviously that has passed. Um, and then the movie has already come out as well. I believe it's on Hulu. It's either Hulu or Netflix. I have not seen it yet, but. Yeah. And then. There's too many streaming platforms. I can't. Yeah. I just searched on Roku for it. Yeah. And so what this book about is 16 year old Star Carter. Um, she is a black, grows up in a black neighborhood, but goes to school in an affluent, like white neighborhood. And so she has her black friends at home and she has her white friends at school. Um, she is with one of her black friends and riding home from a party, a cop pulls them over and ends up killing her friend. He was unarmed. Um, so then she kind of goes through the struggles of, because the officer saying that I thought he had a gun, he pulled out a gun. I think it ended up being his cell phone. Um, and she knows what happened. She was there. And for a while she was very quiet. Nobody knew that she was the witness. Um, nobody knew what she saw. Um, on the, at school, she was hearing, well, the officer was just using self-defense. He thought it was a gun. On the other side, in her black neighborhood, they're saying, we need to riot. We need to fight back. This is unjust. And she's having the struggle of, what does she do? What is What does she need to do? What does she believe is right? And um, she ends up coming forward. She ends up saying what happens. Um, they do go to a grand jury to see if they can indict the officer and stuff. Um, she testifies and everything, but they end up not indicting him on charges. Um, but you kind of see, like, the struggles that she goes through, the riots that actually happen in this town. Um, her dad owns, like, a grocery store, and, like, with the looting and stuff that happens during these riots, you kind of see all of that. Um, but it was a really good book. I enjoyed it so much. And even though it's, like, a 16-year-old girl, like, you just you felt the struggles with her. Um, you didn't have to be 16 to feel what she felt. So I would really recommend this one recommend it yeah i remember that's always like top of the fiction lists of like books to read to educate yourself yeah and then she came out with a prequel called concrete rose which is about her father um but i have not had a chance to read that yet very nice all right ready for the next one yeah. This was kind of an author you and I are currently are going to share in common. That's Octavia E. Butler, because you're reading, or you have Kindred. No, I gave it to Becca. Oh, you gave Kindred. Okay, that's why. So never mind. Hi, Becca. Um, Kindred. <laughs> Hi, Becca. <laughs> and I have read Dawn and Adulthood Rights, which is the first two books in her Xenogenesis trilogy. Yeah. And then I've also read Parable of the Sower, which is the first book in the Earthsea duology yeah but um I'm pr- like I'm pretty sure we've talked about her before yeah and how she's we... like she's like a queen of sci-fi yes um so she was born in 1947 in California she was really bullied a lot as a child 
So she would escape to the library where she would read and write. She begged her mom for her first typewriter at the age of 12. And they said all you could hear from her room was like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's amazing or annoying. <laughs> like hearing the... Like amazing to us, but I'm sure yes. her mother and her grandmother were like, yes. please stop. If you type one can more you show, thing. Can you close the door? <laughs> yeah. Um, and at, she seriously started considering wanting, like becoming a novelist. And she had all these stories in her mind and once she had this typewriter at this age she kind of started to outline the plot of a story which she would later go on to like publish as a series um and then she told her aunt this like i want to be a novelist and her aunt was like girl black people don't become authors like that's just not a thing that happens she basically was like um screw that i'm gonna do what i want (laughs) And so as a freshman in college, she went to Pasadena um, City College, Community College. I just wrote PCC. Um, she won her first short story contest. And so she was like, all right, like, I can do this. Um, and But one day in class, a fellow African-American student made a comment criticizing the previous generations at as basically as failing because they were subservient to whites. But her take on that was to write stories putting that past and that subservience into context to show that basically they needed to do that to survive and to like there were subtle ways that they protested and really just to put all that into context so that it wasn't a criticism the way the other student made it out to be after graduation her career really took off and as we said she's become one of the one of the top sci-fi writers and she's won multiple Hugo and Nebula awards, which are like the awards for, yeah. for sci-fi. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's unfortunate because the duology that you were talking about, like, I believe it was originally supposed to be a trilogy, but unfortunately like she passed away. She so passed she couldn't, away. She couldn't finish that. Yeah. Um, so just quick synopsis. I'm a t- I guess technically three, but Dawn in adulthood writes the first two as just a story about humans and their reliance on this alien species. And then Parable of the Sower is about a community attempting to survive after the collapse of American society. And not only is there a lot of talk about like political and socioeconomic, but on top of that, you've got a lot of um, like nature and climate change that has really affected everything as well. I remember really liking Parable of the Sower. I read it 10, yeah. no, more than 10 years ago. <laughs> so. I mean, I really, I have not heard a bad thing about her books. Mm-mm. I think Dawn and Adulthood Rights were a little too far on the sci-fi side for me. Yeah. Um, but they still were, they still were good. But it's just a little too sci-fi to where I didn't finish the trilogy. But Parable of the Sower, I really, really liked. So, have fun with Kindred, Becca. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely on my list, but, yeah. I bought it for Becca for Christmas. It's really fun to see. I mean, we're highlighting her as as a black writer, but also as a black female writer in sci-fi, as a black woman in sci-fi. Yeah. Like, you don't really, you don't see a lot of women in sci-fi either, and so. No. What she was able to accomplish is really... Really yeah, something to, to look up to. Yeah, to be a, a successful author in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay. 
my next book that I would suggest people read is Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Um, I don't have much about Kylie, but she was born in 1984, and she um, is a recent graduate of the Iowa Writers' Workshop, where she was the recipient of the Truman Capote Fellowship, and she currently lives in Philadelphia, and Such a Fun Age was her debut novel. So, what this is about is... um, Amira Tucker is a babysitter for a white family. Um, The woman's name is Alex Chamberlain. And she takes the daughter to a grocery store while the parents are at the house. And she, um, Amira is a black girl. And while she's at the store, somebody confronts her and is like, is that your daughter? Like, why do you have this white girl? And so it causes like this scene in the grocery store, somebody, like, videotapes it, um, and she's, like, trying to explain, like, I'm the babysitter, like, I'm, the parents yeah. know I have her, and so they ha- end up having to call the dad, and to come, like, verify and be like, yes, this is my daughter, and yes, Amira has permission to be with her, um, and then it kind of goes on, like, with Alex Chamberlain, you try, you kind of find out that she's a little racist, and, some of the things that she says, and then um, Amira starts dating this man that he was, I think he's the one that actually videotaped the whole situation, but he, like, only dates black women, and she's, like, trying to figure out, like, so you're only dating me because I'm black, not because of who I am, and so she's having this struggle between, like, him and dealing with that, and then this woman that she works for being, like, racist, And then coming to find out, like, Alex and the guy that she's dating also have, like, a history as well. Interesting. Yeah. Um, But I really enjoyed it. Thought it was a really good novel. And, yeah, I would highly recommend it. Again, another one that you see. Was Such a Fun Age one of Reese's books or Jenna's? Okay. It was Reese's. I knew. Okay. I knew it was one. I just couldn't. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I have I only... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think I put it on our, like, random wheel, um, because I had only read it, and I was, like, willing to read it again, like, if we chose it, but mm-hmm. obviously, spoiler alert, we're not reading it for Reese's Book Club. <laughs> None of the books either of us had ended up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I had a whole list of, like, books I wanted to read by her, and, like, none of them were selected. <laughs> I was like, dang it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I've got like one and a half left. Just because the last one kind of overlapped with the two of us. Okay. So um, I'll just do it with this one. And this is The Revisioners by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton, which was a Christmas book from you in the Christmas of 2020. You gave it oh, to me? I think it was from my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was a Christmas book. And it was actually, I think, the first book I read in 2021. I think so. So, fun. Um, all right. So she was born and raised in New Orleans. She went to Dartmouth for creative writing and UC Berkeley for law. Um, she has won several awards and been a finalist for many others. The Revisioners was a New York Times bestseller and a notable book of the year. 
She currently lives in Oakland, California with her family. Um, yeah. And The Revisioners is about how two different women, generations apart from each other, both experienced racism in their own lives and where their shared generational trauma comes from. I remember enjoying that book, but wanting, wanting like 50 more pages to go into yeah. it a little bit more. Okay. Like to me, it like stopped just short of like being really good. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's not a book that I wouldn't recommend to people. Like it was still, still enjoyable, still cool. I think I ended up giving it like three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's got a cool um, cover. That always counts yeah. for something in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. Don't judge a book by its cover. Um, the okay, I'll do one more that I've read, and then I have two that um, I want to read in February, so we can like I can mention those as well. Okay. Um, this one was this is the Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Um, again, this is a pretty popular book as well. Um, so about Britt Bennett, she was born and raised in Southern California. And she graduated from Stanford University and and later earned her MFA in fiction at the University of Michigan, where she won a Hopwood Award Award in graduate short fiction, as well as the 2014 Hurston Wright Award for college writers. Um, she is a National Book Foundation Five Under Thirty Five honoree, and her debut novel, The Mothers, was a New York Times bestseller. Um, her second novel, The Vanishing Half, was an instant number one New York Times bestseller, and her essays have been featured in The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, The Parish Review, and The Jezebel. And so, what The Vanishing Half is about, there are two twin sisters that they grow up in, um, I believe it's in Mississippi, it's either Mississippi or Louisiana, and, um, in the town that they grow up in, it's a bunch of, they're, it's black people, but they are light, light colored. And then the two girls move off together and one sister gets a job at this like bank and she falls in love with like the boss and they go off and get married. And she actually identifies as white. And then the other sister um, identifies as black. And so you kind of see how their paths are different. They both end up having daughters. One of them, the one that, um, identifies as white, she's in a successful marriage. The sister that identifies as black, she ends up being in an abusive relationship and actually moving back home with her daughter. And, um, you kind of see like through the years, like the daughter, um, grows up and moves to, goes to school in California and she actually recognizes her aunt because, of course, they're twins. So she's like, it looks just like my mom. And so she tries to confront her and is like, hey, like, your mom is slowly dying because she has Alzheimer's. Like, we really miss you back home. Mm -hmm. And this Stella, Stella's that sister. Stella's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I think you have the wrong person. Um, but then that daughter ends up trying to become friends with her cousin um, and so you kind of just see the struggles of both sides. And the only thing I would say is like the ending is not satisfying, but I think that's what was the purpose. Like this is a type of book that you're not going to get a happy ending or like yeah. a nice little bow around it. Um, 
But I will say, um, Cindy was a huge fan of this book. Like, I remember her, like, being like, y'all need to read this book. You need to read this book. Yes. Um, I remember that was another one where as soon as she was done reading it, she texted me and was like, oh my gosh, have you read this yet? And I was like, no, I have not. (laughs) Yeah, this was, I think it was the start of 2022. I had put up a poll and it was between this and um, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo and Evelyn Hugo won. So I read that first, but then I immediately read this one right after it. Yeah. Um. All right. So this next one that is overlapped, and then I also have one that I haven't read yet, but it was another book. Rachel finished it and immediately texted me. And was like, "You need to read this," and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> um, but I haven't read it yet. <laughs> but I think I got the book for like five cents on Kindle. Oh, nice. <laughs> um. Okay. So the next one, you and I have both read Toni Morrison. Yes. And I read Beloved, and you've read The Bluest Eye. Yes, I do have that on my list as well. Oh, you haven't read it yet. That's all right. Okay. No, no, I have read The Bluest oh. Eye. I said I had that listed. Like, I had that on my list Ooh. as well, like, as okay. a suggestion. So, um, yeah. But I did not prepare a bio, a bio for her. <laughs> I mean, it's Toni Morrison. Um, she is a very well-known author. Um, I really enjoy the bluest eye but it's a very like dark novel sad novel there's trigger warnings um but yeah and which one did you read you said beloved beloved yes which is one you always read on or look at like books you can only read once or like best horror novels and okay um but i've got i've got her wiki up okay um born in february 18th 1931 she passed away in 2019 um uh, won the the Pulitzer Prize for Beloved and the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1993. Oh, uh, she was born and raised in Lorain, Ohio. I know where that is. Uh, <laughs> she graduated from Howard University and then earned her master's at Cornell. Um, Beloved was made into a film in 1998. And uh, essentially she is known for basically showing everybody the the consequences of racism in the United States and putting forward the black experience because of that. Um, Yeah. And I think the bluest eye was her debut novel. It was. And then she also wrote song of Solomon. Mm -hmm. I think I have Sula Sula. and and song of Solomon. Cause I think Mm -hmm. I bought all three, like I bought those three like together, like at a used bookstore or something. Cause I had heard really good things. And so I've only had a chance right now to read The Bluest Eye, but yeah. All right. So it's a quick one. For some reason, my brain, I i don't know. I just like quit. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why. But um, so Beloved is about a family living in post-Civil War Cincinnati, and they are being haunted by a very angry or malevolent spirit. Ooh. And that one's got... Like, it's a great ending in that it's, like, horrifying. Oh, no. It's, like, a like, <laughs> like it's scary because there's the ghost, there's the spirit, and then it's horrifying because of, like, the reality behind it. Yeah. So, but I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I'm like, that book is fucked up. You should read it. <laughs> right? That's. 
That's how I feel, too, because that's, I mean, in a different way, um, The Bluest Eye is horrifying. So it tells the story of Piccola, and she prays for her eyes to turn blue so that she will be beautiful and beloved, as all the blonde, blue-eyed children are in America. And then something traumatic happens to her, and people start staring at her, and so she thinks it's because she has blue eyes now, not realizing that this traumatic thing that happened to her is the reason why people are staring at her, which is really sad. So, yeah. All right. So those are the ones that we've read. Yep. And I am only... Like I said, a little bit halfway through The Weight of Blood. But I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. If you liked Carrie, you're really going to like this one as well. So. Okay. Um, so, if anybody's interested in this, the Winter Kindle Challenge, um, sometimes you can tell we have a love-hate relationship with it. I have just, I have just forgotten about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try to just see, like, what the like it's usually the same like nine-ish um yeah there's always the like the normal you read the first week yeah finish strong and then they have like the six that are like mystery ones that they reveal like every month or something so one of them that they released this month um was black history month and it was unlock this achievement when you complete one of your amazon editor picks for black history month Um, so I clicked through it and the one that I chose was, it's called two parts sugar, one part murder. Um, let me pull it up real quick. My Goodreads is not being my friend right now. Um, but it's by Valerie Burns and it looks like it's like comedic, um, funny like so it says when maddie montgomery's groom is a no-show to her live stream wedding it's a disaster that no amount of filtering can fix but a surprise inheritance offers a chance to regroup and rebrand as long as maddie is willing to live in her late great aunt octavia's house in new bison michigan for a year running her bakery and caring for her 250 pound english mastiff named baby (gasps) maddie doesn't bake and her Louis Vuittons are not made for walking giant dogs around Lake Michigan. But the locals are friendly and the scenery is beautiful. With the help from her, her aunt's loyal friends, a.k.a. the Baker Street Irregulars, Maddie feels ready to tackle any challenge, including Octavia's award-winning cake recipes. That is until New Bison's mayor is fatally stabbed and Maddie's fingerprints are found on the knife. <gasps> her baking knife. Right? It says something strange is going on in New Bison. It seems Aunt Octavia had her suspicions, too. But Maddie's going to need a whole lot more than trending hashtag to save her reputation. That sounds good. Right? That sounds like one of those, like, the cozy mysteries. Yes! Where it's all about, like, some woman knitting, and then she has to solve a crime. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like the dream, right? Um, And just... Real quick about Valerie Burns. She was born and raised in the Midwestern United States. She currently resides in the warmer region of the country with her two poodles. She is a a member of the Mystery Writers of America, Dog Writers of America, 
crime writers of color, international thriller writers, and sisters in crime. And it says she's also a mentor in the writing popular fiction MFA program at Seton Hill University. Nice. Yeah. I thought it sounded cute, and it I didn't have a long wait at the library, so I was like, okay, this one sounds good. So I decided that I would read that one. Nice. Well, the one I have that's still in my list is called Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. And this was a 2018 nominee Goodreads Choice Award for Best Young Adult Fantasy and Science Fiction. Um, so the main character, Jane, was born two days in the middle of the Civil War. Um, but then there are zombies walking the battlefields of Gettysburg and Chancellorsville. So kind of like the Civil War just stops because they're like, there's zombies, there's dead, we got to take care of. Um, and so what ends up happening is that there's a law um, called like the Native and Negro Re-Education Act, which requires some students to go and learn like combat or weaponry to like fight these undead essentially. Um, And so, but this is not what Jane wants. So she just wants to, she finishes up her thing. She wants to go back home to Kentucky. She's just like, you know what? We're just going to live it out. We're small. There's weird politics here, but like we're not in the major cities or anything. Um, But then people in her county begin to go missing. And so she's, trying to figure out that whole thing and in the middle of the conspiracy while also fighting off zombies. <laughs> that sounds great. It does. Um, What's it I called think again? It's Dread Nation. Oh my God. And it's a, it's one. I don't think it's like a, f- oh yeah. Um, Dread Nation followed by Deathless Divide, which is the second one. And then there's, it says like stories from Dread Nation. And that's just like, Kind of, I think, the one book you got me where it's, like, it's it's part of, like, it tells stories from a series, but it's not, like, you don't have to read the other books to get it. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. So. And then um, I have one more that I'm hoping to get to in February, and that is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And, um... It just says that Kendi weaves an electrifying combination of ethics, history, law, and science with his own personal story of awakening to anti-racism. It says this is an essential work for anyone who wants to go beyond the awareness of racism to the next step, contributing to the formation and just of an equitable society. And then, let me see if I can pull up a quick bio for him. I also have the new Jim Crow on my Kindle, oh, yeah. and I think yeah. I'm going to get the audiobook and kind of read along and listen at the same time. Yeah. I have that one as well. Um, so it says, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi is the Andrew W. Mellon Professor in the Humanities at Boston University and the founding director of the BU Center for Anti-Racist Research. He is a contributing writer at The Atlantic and a CBS News race racial justice contributor and he is the author of many highly acclaimed books including stamped from the beginning the definitive history of racist ideas in america which won the national book award award for nonfiction, making him the youngest ever winner of the award Dang. so yeah and it says he has also produced five straight number one new york Times bestsellers 
So pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah. That's very impressive. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. <laughs> what are you doing with your life, Lindsay? That's <laughs> not that. <laughs> oh man. That that's the equivalent of like you're sitting there watching the Olympics and you're you find out you're the same age as who's ever like racing or the gymnast or, and you're just like Wow, I'm I'm never gonna I'm never or, gonna peak like they are. Or ten years older than them and they've already done they're on their third Olympics and you're like, this sounds great. You've already accomplished so much. I've broken my record for how many Cheetos I've eaten in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. Those are books that we highly recommend and books that we want to read for last extra month. Yes, and I just this is not I mean, v- vaguely. Um, <laughs> Viola Davis is the new EGOT. <gasps> yes! And she won her Grammy for her audiobook for her memoir. Yes! So she joins three... She's the third black woman to get it. And Whoopi Goldberg was the first and Jennifer Hudson was the second. Nice! Yeah, so now That's she's amazing. the third. So now she needs to go for what they call the triple crown of acting, which is where you get the Tony the Oscar and the Golden Globes for, for like, I think it's like the like main actor style oh, okay. solo. So you're not part of the ensemble. You're not the supporting actor. Like you've got like, you're the best, the best act- female actor, okay. best female of like a major, like a major. So I think she can do it. I think she's got it in her. Oh, for sure. Maybe I'll get that on audio because um, once again, I have 11 credits I might be I might be down to ten that we need to get rid of, and then I need to cancel the subscription so I don't get this again. Yeah, I think I've got like six, so we can get them through through like Libby and Overdrive for. I know, so that's why it's hard for me to like use a credit because I'm like, if I can just get it from the library, like, is it worth it? But maybe hers will be, and so maybe I'll just get it. Four credits. All right. I have ten, so we got a lot, I got a lot oh, of work God. to do. I mean, I say I have four credits, but um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I have eleven books I haven't read yet. So. Oh yeah, no, I just get them. You you expect me to listen to them? What? And then one I'm in the middle of. I know. I so. started one. I started one uh, last week, so um, we should definitely talk about that one in our next check in. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, else? I hope we just did the bare minimum. Like, not that we're striving for the bare minimum, but making yeah. sure we did something to highlight Black History Month. For sure. Anything else? I don't think so. I'm um, excited to discuss the weight of blood because yeah, there's a lot of interesting. Um. Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. Who do you've got? The Chiefs. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I hope Jay does too, right? Yeah. Oh no, he okay. doesn't want that eagle trash here. Oh yeah, he's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> what do you call it? He said he said Philadelphia is the Florida of the North. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so go Chiefs, definitely. Um yeah. I uh, hope everybody There's here. a real there was a oh, real okay. going around and I don't know if it was fake or not. 
but it was somebody and they were interviewing Chiefs fans saying, what are you going to, how are you going to celebrate if they win and then doing the same to Eagles yeah. fans? And all the Chiefs fans are like, I'm going to hang out with friends and family and eat yes. barbecue and, and yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And Eagle fans were like, Margaret, we're flipping your car. No, no. So the Phillies. They had to, remember they had to grease like their lamp? It doesn't work, Because they didn't want them to drive, like, climb it. They had to grease them. Yeah, and it did not stop them. So the Phillies were just in the World Series. They lost to the Astros. What, what? Anyways, Phillies fans are crazy. Like, they love their teams. They are loyal. And they run those streets. Like, (laughs) they run those streets, so. I've seen Always Sunny. I know what Charlie's (laughs) capable of. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So... Yes, they, I'm sure. But what's cool is, like, there's two brothers, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey, are both in it. Yeah. Um, they both already have Super Bowls, so it's not like one needs to win over the other. But it is a really cool thing, because I think this is the first time ever that brothers have been in the Super Bowl. Brothers, uh, we- and then um, Jalen Hurts and Pat Mahomes, it's being celebrated, because it's two black quarterbacks. And they're both from Texas. Yes. I didn't know that about Jalen Hurts, so I don't know yeah, why he's, I'm he's, so excited he's, about it. He's from Houston. He's actually from Houston. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> I remember jokingly asking Jay, like, who are you rooting for? And he was like, obviously the Chiefs. They have a classically trained quarterback. <laughs> the great University of Texas <laughs> I still laugh at when they won the first time. Pat Mahomes was just drunk, and he's like, Texas Tech has prepared me for this moment. <laughs> And then he chucked that beer at that fan, and the dude just, like, ran straight into that post. <laughs> and he was just like, ooh! <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be stuffing my face, doing all those things. Um, I also spent five hours this morning lur- searching for Daisy. Like, nowhere to be found. Searched every inch of my house. Calling her name. Enticing her with treats. Started at 7.30 this morning, about 12.30 is when she decided to make her appearance in the house. No idea where she came from still. <laughs> she's, just, she's hiding in the ceiling, just like flipping you off every time she's you like, find her. She's like, I'm trying to sleep. This is not, like, mind your business. Like, I'll come out when I'm hungry. And I guess that's what she did. She doesn't want you to see that she's an Eagles fan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's something. I don't know what it is. But, I mean, I had this place, like, torn upside down. I was like... Where can a cat fit? And cats are, like, mobile enough where they can, like, weave their way into, like, small spaces. Yeah. So I was like, she could literally be anywhere. And then I'm like, did she get outside at some point? And I was like, because she now has a tendency, like, if I open the back door to, like, run out there. To split. And I was like, oh, God. So that was my stressful morning. But here we are. I was like, I almost was like, if I couldn't find her before we recorded, I was like, I don't know if we can record. I'm going to be too stressed again by my stupid cat. We but took you, we took Oliver to go get a bike helmet, and he hates having stuff on his head, like hats, hoods, and we're like, buddy, we just gotta try it on to make sure it fits. Oh, and he's like, get his hands on his head, <laughs> and then we showed him the bike, and he's like, whoa, this is cool. And we we're like, but like, you need to wear your helmet, and oh, yeah. he hasn't put the two together yet. So, <laughs> like, if you want this, you have to wear this. Yeah. So that's fun. Oh, that's so cute. But, I can't wait yeah. to see like videos of him trying to ride a bike. I know, we were like, oh my god, I can't believe he's, like, old enough to get on one. Yeah, that's crazy. It's so crazy. Okay. All right. Anything else? Nope. Nope. Okay. Instagram is readingwithcelebs2021. 
Twitter is reading W Celebs. Please go give us a like, follow, subscribe, review, all those fun things, and we will see you next week. Happy reading. Bye, guys. Bye.